Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. Whew. So, the Warriors, they evened up the series 107-88, beating the Boston Celtics in Game 2 at Chase Center. And man, that game was very tense. Tense from the start. I think it was tense until the Celtics early in the fourth pulled their starters, their main players, and put in a bunch of subs and bench dudes because you could tell that the Warriors were still a little bit shook to start. There was like a palpable uh, thickness in the air. Like Steph looked tense. Clay looked stiff. Draymond looked like he was on edge. And it started out like, oh, this is a continuation of game one. The Celtics, they have confidence. They found the rhythm. Tatum hit a couple shots. Jalen Brown started off hot as hell. And the Warriors were missing shots. They got down, what, like eight points or something. And as a seasoned basketball fan, basketball watcher as you are, you know that every team usually starts out with some kind of run, right? The Warriors, they got back into it, but it was just such a back and forth game. You know, no one could really, really get any separation for a while. And the Warriors, they just weren't shooting well. They were missing so many layups. They were getting to the cup a little bit better. They were missing on fast breaks. They were missing on dump offs, all that stuff. I got to give a shout out to Andrew Wiggins, who for a while in this game, until maybe the third quarter or something when Poole started hitting a few shots, Andrew Wiggins was their second best offensive player. You know, on a night when the Warriors overall did not shoot very well, Andrew Wiggins was pressing the issue. He was putting pressure on the rim. He was going for rebounds, going for second chance shots. Those things were huge. The one thing about Andrew Wiggins, which I've said in the past, past couple years since he's been on the team, is that he doesn't have the best touch off the glass around the basket and we saw that a lot in this one like he would go strong which i applaud that aggression is what we want more than anything but sometimes like he just hits it too hard off the glass the opposite is draymond green who usually once he gets to the glass he can actually lay it up pretty softly even with a full head of steam another dude who does it well is gary payton the second that guy all season long has proven to have great touch around the basket and he did that tonight as well but like a bunch of people were missing layups and it was like oh man is this going to be one of those kinds of games that first game we all know like it left such a bad taste in our mouths and i think (laughs) just the last couple days it was like wow scratching your head being like what's going to happen in this one which warriors team is going to show up are the celtics really going to just steamroll them And even though it felt that way at first, like I give the Warriors props for continuing to fight and battle. The one thing that I said, I was texting a bunch of folks during the game. I texted Aram in Toronto. I was like, yo, man, like in the second quarter, I was like, I don't think the Warriors can win a war of attrition. I think they need an explosion and they need to run away with this one a little bit because if it's a game of attrition and it's just going back and forth and you're just trying to wear the other team down and pull out at the end. I felt like the way the Celtics play, 
I felt like that's a game that, especially with the Celtics having won the first game the way they did, I felt like in game two, if it ended up that way, I felt like the Celtics could have definitely taken that one. Luckily, the Warriors, they didn't play well. And also the Celtics, they did not shoot as well. So by halftime, the Warriors had a two-point lead, which was great. And it was like, okay, come on, give us that third quarter explosion that we know they have in them that we saw a little bit in game one. And thankfully they did. In the third quarter, the Warriors outscored the Celtics 35 to 14. And Jordan Poole capped it off with a buzzer beater three, which was basically a backbreaker. The Celtics head coach, he pulled his starters, if not at the beginning of the fourth, within a couple minutes, if it was not the start. So it was great to see the Warriors just bust out and have somebody else besides Steph give them something. Because I said before the first game, you know, you need Clay or Jordan Poole to go off to win this series or to win any given game. And neither of them did that in game one. And in this one, both of them were struggling until Poole got a couple shots off in the third and really, really started looking a little bit like himself a little bit more that swagger was coming out i mean that that buzzer beater you know that was like a big relief you know you could feel like that tension just kind of dissipate a little bit you saw smiles you saw celebrations you saw like clay jumping off the bench i mean i rewound that about five or ten times Clay jumping off the bench, Andrew Wiggins, you know, fist pump, which I love. Steph smiling and giving Jordan Poole a huge hug. And Jordan Poole kind of, you know, giving, giving his guys a look after he hit it. And that's what you didn't see from him for six quarters of the series so far, maybe six and a half. So I hope that that means that Jordan Poole is in this series, finally, like mentally, physically, emotionally, all that stuff, because now he has to take it on the road and play in Boston, and it's going to be tougher. Jordan Poole didn't play in Boston in the first Celtics-Warriors matchup back in November or December because he got COVID. (laughs) He was stuck in a hotel in Boston when the Warriors went home after that game. They won that game, but Jordan Poole was stuck in a hotel for a week, a week and a half. I mean, I don't know. But this is going to be a big test for him. And hopefully he continues to at least just give them something. Like, yes, if they go off, great. But like, give them something, you know? Like, if both of them can give something on the road, then I like our chances. But if it was like the first six quarters of the series, when neither of them is giving much of anything at all, then that's going to make it even, even rougher. A lot of the stuff that we saw in the first game did not happen in game two. You know, on this group text, uh, my friend Jose, who's been on this show, he was like, you know, the Celtics supporting cast is not going to shoot as well as they did in the first. And to me, like, that's definitely going to be the case because they shot lights out. But to me, it was like, if you leave them open and give them a chance and the Celtics mitigate them shooting a little bit worse with Jason Tatum having a better game, then it might kind of average out and they'll still be up there and score. So like the Warriors did a better job covering those guys, even though they still got, the Celtics still got a bunch of open threes. But if you look at who hurt them in the first game, Al Horford was only one for four. 
Didn't shoot any threes. Marcus Smart, one for six, 0 for three from three, only two points. Both those guys only had two points. Derek White, four for 13, two for four from three. Minus 17 on the night, only 12 points, but 12 points on 13 shots. So I'll take that, right? The idea after game one was like, give Jason Tatum a few more shots. Don't sell out on him in the paint on drives so he can just like drive and kick, drive and kick to open dudes. And then that'll give, that'll take the rest of the guys out of the game. And Tatum, he had what, eight for 19, minus 36, 28 points. I mean, that's fine. You know, that's not like a John Morant 40 piece or a Luka Doncic 40 piece. I'll take that. That's just a guy having a good game. It's not otherworldly. So I could live with that. Jalen Brown, he hit what, his first three shots, his first three three pointers. And that's when you were like, oh boy, is he going to keep shooting this way? But like, he came down to earth. Big time, only five for 17 from the field, 17 points, minus 10, three for nine from three, ultimately. And for the Warriors, you know, Draymond Green, he was what, two for 12 in game one? <laughs> I applaud him for taking the shots in game one. You gotta, you gotta take those shots. But in this one, he did not. There were a few open threes where he like pumped as if he was going to, but he's like, no, 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 no. He passed it off, which was always the smarter, wiser thing to do. He played 35 minutes, two for three from the field. Only three shots, okay? (laughs) And only one of them was a three-pointer. Five for seven from the line, which is better than he shot last time. Five boards, seven assists, nine points, plus seven. So, like, that's huge. So, that's another trend from the last game that we didn't see. He pulled back on his shooting. He passed the ball around. He got it to other guys. And again, even though the Warriors didn't shoot well, you want the ball in other dudes' hands when it comes down to it. Drake can hit some shots sometimes, but like after that two for 12, you knew that he had to bring that shot total down. And another thing about Draymond, like, you know, he was active verbally, you know, pulling some tricks out of his bag, locking up and kind of being that smack talking pest to, you know, he was talking to Jason Tatum early on. He got into it with Jalen Brown, their two best players. He got into it with Grant Williams and, you know, he got an early tech and there was that one play with Jalen Brown where they both ended up on the floor and, you know, the broadcaster's talking and it's like normal game, maybe get double techs. I appreciate the fact that the officials did not decide the game on a ticky-tack technical. If it was like a big-time technical and you had to like really, really separate dudes, that's one thing. You know, like sometimes you just have to make that call. But in this case, it was a playoff game. It's the finals. It's tense. You do not throw out the second most important Warriors player over that. Because at that point, you maybe decide the series. You know, if the Warriors lose this game... It's kind of over, right? Sure, it could be done, but like you lose two games at home, go down 0-2 on the road to Boston. And I don't know. I mean, that's that's pretty, pretty impossible to come back from, especially if it's another punch in the stomach, you know? So he was good, and I'm super thankful that we got someone like Draymond because I mean you look at the rest of the Warriors team, the dudes in the rotation, there's nobody else who would do that. Sometimes Clay talks, but he's not talking when he's missing every single shot. And also, it's just not inherently in his nature. So having Draymond getting up in people's faces, like putting hands on people, like locking them up, really, really just trying to get into their heads as much as possible. I'll be honest. At first, I was like, oh, man, when he's trying this stuff out on Tatum, I was like, okay, okay, he's 
getting himself up, but like this feels like kind of <laughs> I mean Steph himself said they needed to play this game with desperation. So to me, you know, when Dre has to like get to that level and you see it that much, that overtly, I was like, he is going like desperation, you know, because that feels like when you tried everything else, you got to pull out all the tricks and he did that. You know, he got a foul on Tatum. He got in Jalen Brown's head. Great Williams. I mean, you know, I don't worry about him too much. Clay Thompson, man, like I said, 30 minutes, four for 19, one for eight from three, 11 points. It's rough. It's rough seeing him out there, like forcing shots. We know that, you know, Jalen Brown is a tough matchup for him when Clay is on offense. And bottom line, like the Celtics defense is just good. It's good. They are good at getting out on guys and they're taller and their reach is longer than a lot of teams that they've played so far. So it's messing with Clay and you can tell that he is just trying to find rhythm. Steve Kerr left him in with the Celtics subs out on the court, left him in for a chunk of time in the fourth to see if he could just get some shots to go in. And unfortunately, he did not. In the Western Conference Finals, somebody put out a stat that Clay is actually shooting pretty well overall in the playoffs. He was like shooting 40% from three. But that's not really the issue, right? The issue is that he will have a game where he is just hot as hell, and then he'll have games like this, where he's just completely cold and doesn't give you much of anything, especially when he's not hitting shots. So it's not about the overall percentage from every given game total. It's about like these instances. And I still believe in Clay. You know, I've always said I think he'll be better next year after a summer of working out and kind of like mentally decompressing from this whirlwind of a journey since January, since he came back to the team. Hopefully, a change of scenery will help him, honestly. Hopefully, a crowd, an aggressive, angry crowd from the Celtics fans. Hopefully that'll help him find his shot. I do think he'll have a couple of breakout games. My buddy Vubang, who has been also been on the show a bunch in the group text, he was like, they don't call him game two, Clay, which is 100% true, right? <laughs> Hopefully Clay comes solid, comes correct in games that like are closeout games, right? If it's a game five, if it's a game six, if it's a game seven, who knows? You just have to have faith that Clay will find his because they're going to need him no matter what, somehow, some way. And then there was Steph, of course. He played 32 minutes and was 9 for 21, 5 for 12 from 3, 6 for 7 from the free throw line, 6 boards, 4 assists, 3 steals, plus 24, 29 points. Now, you know, at the beginning of the series, I said that there were three things that would be key to the Warriors winning the finals, right? One was turnovers, winning the turnover battle. I said, keep it between 10 and 12. And they had 12, whereas the Celtics had 18. So check that box off. Health was the next thing. And we know that Andre was out, but overall they were healthy. And more importantly, they got Gary Payton the second back and what he brings. And then lastly was Steph Curry, being the best player on the floor. And tonight he was that. So they hit all those three check boxes in this one. And obviously there's other factors, but to me, those are the three keys and they nailed it here. But overall, again, you saw Steph aggressive. I mean, he really wants this title. You know it. You know he's thinking about what this means 
for the haters, for his legacy, and just being able to to win. I mean, at this stage in his career, he wants more titles than LeBron. He can get more titles than LeBron. If he gets his fourth, he ties LeBron, you know? And to me, obviously, the Warriors in the future after the season have a better shot of winning another title or more, more than a shot than LeBron has with the Lakers. I mean, if he goes somewhere else, if he bails on them, that's a whole nother story. But as of now, good on Steph. So Steph was aggressive. I mean, you know, he missed some shots that were ones that you hoped that he would make, but five for 12 ain't too bad. And nine for 21, you know, he could have been better, but he's just got to keep staying aggressive. And Kerr was probably willing to let him play a ton of minutes, but thankfully the blowout, you know, kept him to only 32. So that's, that's huge for his legs going forward. I mean, across the board, Draymond 35, Wiggins 31, Looney 21, Steph 32, Clay 30. So, you know, those are all positives. And the fact that Gary Payton the second could give you 25, that's solid. You know, I mean, he had a busted elbow. So luckily he was able to keep up his conditioning while he was out. Are you ready for the NBA chance to be crowned? Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA Finals? With the DraftKings Same Game Parlay, you can do just that. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 Same Game Parlay and won over $5,000. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total made threes, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals, and get Get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Kavon Looney, that dude is rock solid. I expect him to get every rebound that comes his way now. It's crazy. 21 minutes, six for six, did great in terms of like putting the ball in the basket simply on those dump offs and and, uh, putbacks. Seven boards, plus 24, 12 points, three steals. I mean, he's just dependable. Let's think back to the regular season when, you know, people would kick him out the ball and he couldn't do anything with it. Granted, he still has those moments, but I think what the key is with Looney is that he's getting dump-offs right under the basket, one step away from the basket. They're not feeding him like where he has to put the ball on the floor, do any moves, take any further steps where a defender can catch up to him and rise up higher than him and block his shot or just snuff him out, right? The way Looney is getting the ball is just right there. He just gets the ball and just goes straight up. You know what I mean? He's not getting it 10 feet out. He's not getting it even like a few further feet out. So I think that's an important thing. And that's what the Celtics are giving the Warriors. So good on them finding it and good on him for hitting those. They're going to need him. You know, when you don't have a big athletic center, when you don't have like a healthy James Wiseman out there who you can just lob the ball up to. Having Looney be dependable at this point is really, really important. Just don't give him the ball 15 feet away from the basket. The return of Gary Payton II, that was really massive. We heard before the game that Andre Guadalla was out with a, with a bum knee. And that's too bad. That sucks, you know, but with Gary Payton coming back, I mean, obviously I'll take Gary Payton over Andre Godala at this point. Payton gives you youth. <laughs> he gives you less rust. He gives you 
more rhythm, even though he's been out for a little over a month. And he has chemistry with all these guys way more than Andre has right now, you know, even with the core guys, even with Steph, Clay, and Draymond, you know what I mean? So it's good. It's very inspiring, as my friend Mike Rosen says. The dude was three for three. And everybody was worried about whether or not he could actually shoot since he broke the elbow on his shooting arm. And he missed two free throws right out the gate. And I was like, oh, man. And he he missed bad, but they were kind of online, which is all that you could ask for. So maybe just like the touch, the rhythm is a little bit off. But he hit a big three in the corner in front of the Celtics bench, turned back and looked at them. I don't know what they said, but definitely something. And I think that was huge. That was huge for his confidence, for the Warriors' confidence, for the coaching staff's confidence, and just to be like, hey, you know, Celtics, I could, I can hit this shot, you know? Like, I, I'm not playing with a cast on or anything like that. And like I said, just having him on the court as a defensive presence who is pesky, annoying, you know? No one else on the Warriors besides Draymond is willing to be pesky and annoying. Hands on somebody's like stomach or chest the whole time. Dead ball plays, you know, like inbounds plays. He's just in somebody's face constantly just annoying. It's the stuff you saw him do to John Morant. So that was huge. And like I said, Gary Payton II is one guy you can get him the ball, whether you pass it to him or whether he gets it off a rebound. He's a guy that if he gets it under the basket, he can rise up quickly and put it in. Great touch and just a very, very fast jumper. Right, We know he can get up really high, and we know he's explosive like that, but he's just a quick jumper. You know what I mean? He can get up there faster than most people. It allows him to just do his thing because not many people are going to block him. You know, He's got good instincts down there. And for a dude who's 6'3", that's, uh, that's, that's, that's pretty impressive. And then, of course, there's Nemanja Bielitsa, a guy who only got garbage minutes in game one. Good job by Steve Kerr to insert him into the game for some meaningful minutes. Only played 11 minutes, but was three for four, five boards, six points, and one steal. He played his part, you know. He was a guy that was on the bench, got a lot of DNPs during the playoffs lately because you couldn't really play him against some of these more athletic teams. But definitely Steve Kerr found something there, saw something, the coaching staff, about inserting him and just having that size and ability to score and pass. So it's a nice wrinkle. And, you know, credit to Bielitsa for staying game ready. I mean, obviously that was never a question. He's been a professional all season, throughout the playoffs, etc. And obviously he also sees this as his best chance of getting a ring. And then Otto Porter Jr., 15 minutes, only took one shot. He hit it. It was a three-pointer. Only three boards, but he had three steals and was plus 24. So solid play from him, and I will not take that dude for granted ever, ever. You know, it was interesting. The Warriors got into the bonus. They were in the bonus with about six and a half minutes left in the third quarter, and it was like, oh, Dang, you know, attack the basket, attack the basket. And one of the frustrating things about what Clay did was like he he hoisted uh, at least two or three questionable shots for a guy who is not hot and is not unconscious, right? There was one where he got the ball from Bielitsa and he was just around the wing or on the side near the corner. And it was almost like a turnaround three-point shot. He just pivoted, raised up, and he clanked it. And so like those are the kinds of things with Clay that regardless of his overall percentages in the playoffs, like those are the things that in individual games 
kind of that you have to look for. Not anything against him. You know, we've seen him succeed more times than not. But those are the things when a game is still close that can really, really turn the tide against a team as good as the Celtics when you're as limited in opportunities. Because in the first half, you know, the reason why I didn't think the Warriors could win a game that was like a war of attrition was because like the Warriors seem to be working way harder for every single shot and they weren't getting open looks and they were missing layups. The Celtics, on the other hand, they felt like they were getting more open shots. So they really, really, the Warriors did, they really, really needed to break this one open and have that kind of game. Obviously, you know, sure, you want those kinds of 20-point leads all the time. But really, 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 the way the game was going, if it were close, if the Warriors, you know, because if you assume they don't get a 20-point lead, that tension, that, like, question in the back of your minds, their minds about whether or not they can pull this off, maybe it's there, you know, especially with the dudes who haven't been here before. I think that um, it was good, and I'm curious to see what happens next, right? What happens next? Like, are the Warriors going to be able to really, really pull out a close game? I mean, it seems weird to say because they've won close games. You know, they've won close games in the playoffs, during the season, whatever, but not against this team in these scenarios, right? If they had lost this game, like I said earlier, it would have been really tough to come back from 0-2 when you have to go back out on the road for two games. And you're sitting there kicking yourselves that, man, if only the Warriors had won that first game, if they'd only held on to that 12-point lead, if only Jordan Poole could have hit or Klay Thompson could have hit one or two big threes to open the fourth quarter in game one, then we'd be sitting on a 2-0 lead, right? But honestly, it sucks, but that's what makes this the finals. And that's what makes this dramatic. And I don't know of a better team or a better group of guys than Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Steve Kerr, who are more prepared for the adversity of something like game one, you know? There's some things that I loved about this one, obviously, just like, you know, the blowout, them holding on to the lead, and Jordan Poole getting loose, and the aggression overall, and just the the belief and the fortitude to, to stick with it and fight through this one. But, uh, you know, the Celtics could easily come back. Like we saw in the Heat series, they had some off games, but then ultimately they kept coming back, coming back, coming back. I'll take a blowout win by the Warriors every game. But I want to see the Warriors be able to just like handle and control a close game. You know what I mean? Because in six quarters so far, whenever the Warriors had some kind of lead, even if it was up to 10 or 12 or 15, it never felt out of reach. You know, like there's games where like they can have a double digit lead and it feels like they're in control. I mean, the Celtics are a great team, so they're not going to be out of it by any stretch of imagination if they're only down by 10. But the Warriors never felt in control until they blew out the Celtics. Does that make sense? So there's a long way to go, but obviously this is the start. This is step one. And thankfully, they flexed (laughs) on this one and they broke it open and they didn't have to look back, right? They learned from game one and they added to their lead at the beginning of the fourth. All the Warriors got to do is get one in Boston, right? 
there's only one day off between games three and four. So that might change things too a little bit, right? There will be less rest between those two games. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Again, it's a game of adjustments, game to game. And I know the Celtics are very well coached. So can't wait to see what they do, what they come up with. And, you know, props to the Warriors for figuring out a different game plan and rolling with it. That's why they have three titles and six finals appearances in eight years. Anyway, it's a good way to start off the week. And uh, yeah, that's all I got for now. That's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Lupino or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Also check us out at OaklandWarriors.com. And be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen to the Oakland Warriors podcast. It's produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. And leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. That would be hugely helpful. Thanks for listening. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time. <laughs>